We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I'm Jonathan Larson. I am 29 years old. I work at the Moondance Diner. Check. One sec. Do we take reservations? No, we do not take... We're, we're a diner. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. That I have spent the last eight years of my life writing. He's getting out. You're gonna be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. And rewriting. Can I hear it? Any day now. Eight years! And the time keeps ticking. Tick, tick. You need to ask, are you letting yourself be led by fear or by love? Fear! A hundred percent fear! I don't know what the show is. Why do we play with fire? happens and nothing changes what then Jonathan maybe I'm just wasting my time do you know how many Jonathan Larson's there are one why should we blaze a trail there's not enough time I went to three friends funerals last year and nobody is doing enough I'm not doing enough try writing about what you know what does it take to wake up a generation It would be a tragedy to give up what you have Take off and fly Fear or love, baby Don't say the answer Actions speak louder than They speak louder Keep going Bonus episode. We are here to talk about the latest from Netflix, a biopic directed by Lin Manuel Miranda of Hamilton and In the Heights fame in his directorial debut, a directorial feature debut. Let me clarify that he's obviously done other things in the director's uh, category, but here he is doing his first movie, his feature length movie. Uh, it is called Tick Tick Boom. It is about the legendary playwright Jonathan Larson, who was famous. 
for a play called a one-man show that's semi-autobiographical called Tick, Tick, Boom. And obviously the uh, play that ran on Broadway for 12, 13 years, Oz? How long did Rent run on Broadway? I think 12 years, but that that's only from the postscript to the movie that I think I know that. Well, this movie is about Jonathan Larson, starring Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Ship, Robin DeJesus, Vanessa Hudgens, Joshua Henry, and Jonathan Mark Sherman. And Stephen Sondheim. And Bradley Whitford and Stephen Sondheim. No, and Stephen Sondheim himself in a little... Uh, in a, the, in a there's bit. a voice recording, correct? There's yes, a, yes, yes. Okay, I will. We'll get to it. Don't worry. The plot synopsis, according to Letterboxd, is this: On the cusp of his 30th birthday, a promising young theater composer navigates love, friendship, and the pressures to create something great before time runs out. So here's the deal, Oz. Um, I love this movie. Um, I loved watching. I shouldn't say even watching. I loved learning about Jonathan Larson through this movie and uh, the life that he lived. His story is very relatable, especially as someone in the content creation game. Um, his passion is clear and the dilemma of when to be more realistic or give up on your dream is is one that I've definitely dealt with and I, I completely... Uh, empathized with his struggle and then, you know, was heartbroken by the ending of his story. Um, I won't say what the ending is because I'd like people to explore it if you don't already know, but I was blown away by this movie and it, where I struggle though, Oz, is that last week I told you that I finally had somebody to root for at the Oscars, and it was Will Smith in the clear front runner in my mind at the time for best actor. And then I saw Andrew Garfield in this movie, and I was fucking blown away. And it's not even that I'm now afraid that he's going to take Will Smith's Oscar. I think Will is still going to win, but now if he loses to Garfield, I get it, and I I just... There is an energy when he is on screen in this movie, which he's on it for 99% of the movie, that is that comes across so clearly and so powerfully that just doesn't exist in a lot of things I've seen recently. This is one of the best performances I've seen in a couple of years. He kills it, Oz. Look, we here at Final Review are very big Andrew Garfield fans. We 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 went on on long soliloquies of our love affair with Andrew Garfield, who definitely is not in Spider Man No Way Home. And uh, he, isn't. <laughs> he he told us we ought to believe him at his word. He's not in. He that might be his best performance of the year. Sp- actually, <laughs> he has hung up his Spidey suit, according to him. But uh, look, I, I love the guy, and I I I'm so excited that this will almost certainly be his second Oscar nomination. He is fucking incredible here. This is this is easily over Smith for me. I I thought Smith is very good, one of the best performances of his career, but not a sort of like Titanic all-time performance. I adored Garfield here. My my wife, uh who is a musical theater person by background, went to theater school, was an actress before becoming a lawyer, uh, is not a fan of Andrew Garfield or had not been before this role. And this role single-handedly turned her into a huge Andrew Garfield fan and spent the entire movie or the entire time after the movie having to acknowledge that I've been correct about him all this time. And he actually is a, a fantastic actor. He 
plays this sort of obsessive character that could get into these very annoying we, we've seen obsessive characters so many times and it's so fucking boring and he has this sort of energy to the performance this sort of life even the way he moves this sort of manicness to his physicality in the performance that makes it utterly captivating there there's my my favorite scene in the movie is early on they're having this shitty little house party and Garfield starts singing this song. It's called mm-hmm. Boho Days. Uh, and it is the most catching, ca- the most catchy song. We've been humming it to each other, you and I. Literally. We went to a movie tonight and every, the, throughout the movie, this is the life. Yeah. But he's so incredibly magnetic in that scene, which my wife tells me is exactly what theater nerd parties are like that they all just sit around and break out into fucking song like okay, that. Okay, there you go. So uh, I guess I guess that's a, a realistic beat here. But I just, I found the, this guy like goofing around, so, like making up this, obviously not really making up, but making up this song about like these past roommates over the last four years. So unbelievably captivating it's like the it's like the there will be the there will be blood of theater nerds type performances (laughs) here it's really it's i i i was i was blown away and and very deeply moved by this movie and particularly by this performance so he's done a lot of press because he is out on the campaign trail but he's also like promoting his movie and the scene that actually stood out to me is the one of those songs toward the end where he finds out some news about his friend that that's in the movie and then he goes and plays a song at a piano in Central Park I think it is in in the stadium in Central Park all yep. by himself and it's a song called why and uh, he spoke to Stephen Colbert about the inspiration for that performance um, because he, he's very broken, he's very emotional um, and Andrew Garfield in real life just lost his mother and he put all of that grief and uh, loss and, and emotion into that specific performance and it just knowing that story before I saw this movie hit even harder Um what was going on during that scene. And look, I, I'm still in Will's corner. I'm hoping this is his acceptance speech, but I'll, I'll completely understand if Garfield wins. Um, I will, it will be a lot like last year where I acknowledged that I wanted there to be a Chadwick Boseman moment at the Oscar while also acknowledging that Anthony Hopkins gave the best performance of the year. I know you're much more of a theater buff than I am. Lin-Manuel Miranda, as a director, what did you think of his job that he did here? Uh, You know, a lot of first-time directors, well, he's done stage direction, and I think he might have directed an episode of Fosse Verdon. I'm not even certain about that. Uh, A lot of first-time directors, especially folks who who are actors by trade, tend to be very blandly formalistic, and I don't feel like blowing up any any actors who've recently directed their first movie, like Halle Berry. who are just extremely bland and formalistic in the way they do things. It's like they read a film textbook and that's how they decided to direct and stage their movie. And it, it, it just, it just sucks. Um, compare with say Maggie Gyllenhaal, who's entirely vibrant in the lost daughter, which everyone should see at Christmas when it comes out on Netflix. Um, man, he actually has so much energy and he captures something really propulsive about the fun and the energy of what music and particularly live theater can be that that speaks to someone who who has a just a real keen sense as a, as an entertainer i'm not sure that 
all of the songs in this are are actually particularly good. Um, it's an un- Tick Tick Boom is an unfinished show. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of a, a meta story of him performing Tick, Tick, Boom, which is an autobiographical show of his struggle to get Tick, Tick, Boom made um, while flashing back to the sort of genesis of working through this other show, uh, which I think was I just- Was it Tick, Tick, Boom that he was trying to get made or was it the suburbia thing that he was trying to get so- made? There's a whole complex legal history that I, I've come to learn about that I okay. I, I, I may botch this here. Okay. But, um, in essence, he had come up with Tick Tick Boom and written most of the songs as a as a one man show, um, and then he died before it was ever produced. I mean, look, there there are no new Jonathan Larson shows. I don't think we need to hide the fact that he passed right. away unexpectedly right. at 35. Um, and this thing was then later developed they brought in somebody else to help finish it and it was expanded out to be the three character show that we actually see in with with the vanessa hudgens and the um i i forget the other actors named joshua henry parts uh on stage that serves as sort of the framing device for a lot of it uh and that was like a later expansion when it was eventually put on in that form we're, we're sort of getting deep in the in the nerdy weeds here, but it's obviously largely about his struggles to write his first show and how that failed to come to pass. And I actually kind of appreciate how the emotional hinge song, the one that is the the payoff to the plot of this entire thing, it's fine. Like it's yeah, a good song. It's fine. And it's, it's more interesting because I think the the two actresses who perform it, Alexandra Ship and Vanessa Hudgens, are so incredibly compelling in the way that they're selling this, that it very much elevates what is a, you know, a, a perfectly fine piece of Broadway music, but hardly something that's, you know, life altering and special. And I, I think Miranda has a way of capturing this sort of live experiential energy. Everything is better in person. You watch a Dear Evan Hansen in a movie and you feel fucking embarrassed. You see Dear Evan Hansen on stage and your heart is ripped out of your chest. And I don't know, I don't know how to explain it because I remember when I first saw Dear Evan Hansen at the intermission saying, this kid's a fucking creep. And in a movie, you're like, this kid is a fucking creep. Also, he's like 37 years old and in high school. And when you see it on stage, you're like, it's just, it's such a different experience to sit there in the theater and to see people emoting in front of you. And I was so impressed with the way that Miranda comes as close to capturing that feeling as you really can in a movie. And I think that's a good example of it. I mean, the best song in in the movie, as far as I'm concerned, is 3090, which is the first five minutes first of the song, movie. Yeah, Damn. so it, it's a little it's a little hard when your best song is your first song. It's funny. So the first time I say first time, I've seen this movie a couple times. This movie has been playing a lot in my apartment for the last week or so, and the first time I watched it was when we got back from seeing. Um, House of Gucci and we had both said like I'll probably check out Tick Tick Boom tonight and it was like a long day because we had both missed our train and um, I had Nick's film school to edit so I put on Tick Tick Boom just to be like okay let me get the first get, get it started so I know what I'm in for and the first fo- song was such a banger that I was like alright let me stick around and then when I realized this was something I would want to like dedicate a full two hours to and not just a, a, a quick start I stopped it then came back and watch the rest. Um, you nailed it about Lynn. They, he clearly, he clearly has an appreciation for this life and this industry, which is obvious. Um, 
I, we need to talk about Sunday in yes, a second. Um, but the amount of affection that I sensed in the way he frames a lot of the different moments in this movie, I I could tell that I was supposed to respect like an all time great or, or someone whose work he admires so much like Larson, um, the, the life of Steven Sondheim and the other people that are recognized in this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was very aware that this was a love letter to an industry that's meant a lot to him. There is a song in this movie and a set piece called Sunday. Um, I'll just be clear. I, I do not know all the people that were in this in this scene i did pick up very quickly like oh this is a tribute to like theater past and i'm gonna assume that these are people that have worked with jonathan larson and then through the research realizing that this is a tribute from larson to steven sondheim for the play sunday in the park with george and a song called sunday that is similarly framed um it is my favorite song from this soundtrack i've been replaying it over and over again and i just as a theater whiz what was your thoughts as the scene was playing out did you pick up on all the 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 people in it and the easter eggs so i i knew that it was coming and i knew basically all the people in it and frankly have seen most of them on broadway uh but the the cool part of the experience for me is so i'm a weirdo and have like a a fancy beanbag chair that I'll sit in very close to my TV for a movie that I'm I'm excited for because it gives me something closer to a, a cinematic experience. I'm like up close, I'm stuck there, there's no distractions. And my wife will sit on the couch behind me. So then I can't get annoyed if she checks her phone or anything like that. And I heard her like squeal with joy each time a new person came on screen and it reminded me very distinctly of the way everyone cheered in Avengers Endgame as they keep adding on yes character after character after character after character (laughs) so this it's really the it's it's like when when um Andre DeShields shows up it's like it's like the fucking on your left of of musical musical theater theater. nerd shit (laughs) and it's just it is really I think it's pretty cool to have an understanding of what that means to someone who's in that world it's enough that I got it and understood who the vast majority of these people are and what they mean to the theater community but to hear her like kind of losing her mind and, and fangirling out over this was was pretty cool and I think shows just how effectively executed it was. And I do think we should spend a few minutes before, before well, we wrap I have a up question on, for on Mr. Sondheim. I have a question I'm gonna throw at you, don't worry. Um yeah, I I was very appreciative of a moment and then the research that followed of realizing who else was in it. The three bums that when he goes bum bums bums um, in the song, the three bums that are off stage are three original cast members from the movie Rent, uh, from the play Rent. Um, the uh, yeah, the entire the entire set piece is pretty cool. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bradley Whitford plays a character named Steven Sondheim. And I was originally, I guess, to be honest, shamefully introduced to Steven Sondheim in 2019 when uh, Adam Driver in a movie called Marriage Story does a full song at a piano that I was then told by every movie theater, movie and theater lover that, oh, that's a Sondheim song. You should know it, Andrew. You're stupid. Um, And I was able to get an appreciation for some of the things that he's contributed. Uh, sadly, after this movie came out on Netflix, a couple days after this movie came out on Netflix, um, Sondheim passed away. Uh, as I will cede the floor to you because you'll definitely do it better than I could. But um, his impact on the industry, both um, both theater and I guess if you want to relate it to cinema as well, um, talk a little bit about the, the life and legacy of Stephen Sondheim. I think... And look, I, I'm a theater fan, but it's not in the same way I'm a movie fan, but I have a theater fan in the way I'm a movie fan that I live with. So I get a lot of extra perspective here. <laughs> okay. And it, it's, it's clear to me that, that Sondheim is a, is a figure of, of impart that, that doesn't exist in film. We don't have somebody as important as Sondheim is in theater. It's maybe like if we took all of the American directors of the seventies and rolled them into one person and had sort of a George Lucas, Spielberg, Scorsese, the Palma, Coppola, all these people rolled into one. 
that might get close to as important as Sondheim is. In essence, you can basically credit Sondheim with the transition from the sort of happy-go-lucky bullshit that stuff like Schmigadoon makes fun of now, where everybody like sings and goofy and works up into songs, to come up with something more layered and nuanced and textured in the way the characters behave, the way the music is written. There's just It embraces a more honest view of humanity than most other things. And, and in a lot of places, he he gets downright dark and and sometimes sort of perverse. So I look, I, I I'm I'm not the right person to opine for hours about his uh contributions to Broadway, but I am the right person to opine about some of his movies because this is someone whose work inspired West Side Story, which the original is one of the greatest musicals ever made. And based on the social media reactions that came out uh just about two hours before we started recording this, the Spielberg one that comes out in a week is very good. Uh, Into the Woods is fucking awesome. Uh, Sweeney Todd is really great and really transgressive, and it's kind of surprising a thing like that exists. I remember seeing a funny thing happen on the way to the forum, a live stage version of it when I was a little kid, and was just kind of... I think it hit me at just the right age where I started to understand just some of the dirty jokes in there and started to get like the... The, the puckishness of it and, and the way it plays around with and subverts these sort of mythological heroic figures. A gypsy, a little night music, merrily we roll along. There's just a lot of stuff that has come from Sondheim that has made for very effective filmic material. And the sort of growth, the the, the influence of his work are, are, are where, frankly, most great musicals come from. I I. I personally my own my own taste i i could certainly do without all of the things from the before time like brigadoon is is like torture for me i i can't i can't deal with the these sort of old style um broadway song structure and i can't deal with the sort of one-dimensional characters and sondheim is responsible for making broadway like a good storytelling avenue it's just it's you know, I'll say living 91 years and, and, and going out where you still have all your faculties and, and are in relatively good health until the end is a, about as good a life as, as one can get. And I, I think it's pretty cool that there's a scene in here where in this film where Stephen Sondheim, the character, leaves a voicemail for the Andrew Garfield, Jonathan Larson character. And Stephen Sondheim, the actual Stephen Sondheim, recorded that voicemail for the movie and in fact rewrote what Lynn had written to sort of better reflect what he would have said in this real voicemail that happened once upon a time. And I, I, it's been cool to see uh, sometimes when, when people die, you get the very like stoic, he was a great Titan of whatever sort of thing with Sondheim. You get all these memories from folks. I saw one of the writers on the Simpsons who shared a, a note that Sondheim had written him like apologizing that he wasn't a better voice actor, but would be happy to like, you know, give give his thoughts on how his character would be portrayed <laughs> when he when he uh, did a cameo on it. It just it, it seems clear that this is someone who was deeply, deeply invested in bettering the artistic community around him, and not just and not just you know growing his own legacy. And I think that's I think that's pretty damn cool. Well said, well said. A um, couple other things about the movie. Uh, I enjoyed the Alexander Ship character, his girlfriend in the movie. I actually think opposite Vanessa Hudgens in that song you were mentioning, um, she actually 
kind of stole the song for me compared oh, to man, i felt exactly the opposite yeah like every time they would go to vanessa's side i was like i actually was kind of enjoying alexandra ship's character um singing um robin de jesus his roommates that um ends up being uh, uh having a reveal toward the end of the movie um i i, I was really impressed by his performance as well the song that they have together uh no more is is a banger there are multiple bangers at the beginning of the first half of this soundtrack in fact i even i think I, there is a clear drop off for me personally um after play game when black thought comes in and um does like a mini montage about you know you have to play the game um in this industry although i do admire the therapy song um with with garfield and vanessa hudgens about um the, the differences in their relationship um i enjoyed who's the other person so I enjoyed the uh, his friend uh, MJ Rodriguez, who plays Carolyn, that works with him at the diner. Um, I liked her character as well. And then I'm kind of talking around it. Um, there's just a thing, a, a disclaimer. I think we both should get out the way real quick. Is that like you've mentioned Lily a lot on this pod and how much um, this movie and this industry means to her. Um, you are a happily married man, and you 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 have no 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 qualms about where your allegiances lie or or temptations or anything. I am a, a in a happy relationship, probably making some life changing decisions in the not too distant future. Um, we have made all of that clear. Vanessa Hudgens in this movie is stunning. Is all I'm going to say. I'm not even <laughs> sure I'm a fan of her singing voice in 2021, but. Every time she came on screen, it was like, okay, that that is not that 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 is not a real person. That there's nobody that is allowed to look that gorgeous on screen. And I just kept admiring the I don't know if you want to dig this hole with me, Oz, but I just every time I you saw know, Vanessa pop up on screen, I was like, okay, now I understand why 17-year-old me rewatched high school musical over and over again with my brother, pretending that it was just because it was for him and not because I wanted to stare at Vanessa Hudgens. I'll pick up a shovel next to you for a moment Thank you. here and, and say that. <laughs> This has been one, usually my wife gets it when I have these women that I think are incredibly beautiful. And uh, with Hudgens, it's not one that she's she's gotten. And I just think it's it's so weird. Um, we watch the Princess Switch movies religiously every year when a new one comes out exclusively because she's in them and I love her. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, and even my wife had to admit, wow, that is quite a dress they put her in there at a few points during this one. So, well, so uh, I'll be honest. The Princess Switch movies, or oh, Spring Breakers, I think she's, I was around the same, because oh, that's the other part, is we're, Vanessa and I are the exact same age. We're both 33 years old. That makes so, me feel like a pervert. Well, you're because you're two years older than her eyes, really? That's where? <laughs> um, the point being is that, for me, it was always like a we're the same age type of thing, so maybe one day it could happen, you know, when you're in your early, your late teens, early 20s. Let me just say, I've never seen High School Musical. High School Musical, okay. Never, or any of the sequels. I'm aware of what they are, and I've heard some of the songs and seen clips, but it's just not something in my experience. But what I will say is, I think Vanessa Hudgens is a is a rather good comedic actress. I, I appreciate really? it. Princess switch movies. It feels to me like she's very much in on the joke. You know, this is not some Tatiana Maslany playing 57 clones on orphan black, each very seriously um, sort of thing. This is, it seems clear to me that, you know, she, she gets the bit and I think therapy is a very, very funny 
performance by both her and Garfield. It was a sort mm-hmm. of, you know, manic clash of couples thing that I, I just, I, I think she's very good here. And I, I, I don't think we should, you know, hold against her the fact that it's a relatively small part. I mean, what, what person wouldn't want to have a song and dance role in Lin-Manuel's directorial debut, especially telling this this subject matter. It seems to me that this is a movie that was very much picked and cast based on who would be the best person for each part. And I think she's perfect for this part. And look, she's probably, aside from Garfield, the the biggest star mm-hmm. in this movie. I think she's Easily, the biggest star actually. than Bradley Whitford. Yeah. And the the other similar size role is probably the Robin De Jesus character. Maybe it's a little bit bigger role. And that guy has like no film credits. He's he's done the like theater actor, you know, one-offs on every single procedural that there is. But I, I don't, I think largely he's, you know, just been a stage guy. And uh, I don't, I don't want to distract us from Vanessa Hudgens, but that guy is incredible in this movie. He's so good. There's a sort of tense dialogue scene between him and Garfield. Um, it's, a, you know, just on the sidewalks in, in Midtown East at night that I found to be one of the most captivating scenes that I, I've watched all year. That guy is, is a magnetic performer and I really, really hope to see him in more things. And frankly, I just don't think the, the campaign is going to play out such that he's going to be a remotely credible awards contender, but in a, in a different world or in a movie that, you know, magically made $150 million at the box office, that guy could win best supporting actor. Yeah. You beat me to it. I was going to say that in a world where we talk about not necessarily what we think is going to happen, but where we want to happen, he would be somebody that I would want to push. And look, to be clear, I'm not, I'm not criticizing or holding it against her, how small her role is in this movie. And maybe, yes, she is the second biggest star outside of maybe the Bradley Whitford character. I'm saying I was surprised that, she's not in it more that she doesn't have a bigger role having said that as as we started this conversation with i was very okay anytime vanessa hudgens was on screen um love you babe if you're listening to this um let's get to numbers and get me out of this what is your number on tick tick boom nine out of ten and probably my best actor for the year thus far and i'm basically out of movies so probably my best (laughs) actor for the year in andrew garfield I'm also at a 9 out of 10, and I have a hard time thinking of somebody... Um, I haven't seen Come On, Come On. You vouched for Joaquin. Oh, in that. yeah. Actually, actually, Joaquin is my is my number one. I should. So there we go. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I, I, so I quickly, when, how Andrew Garfield is. The no, drummer. no. You know, you know what it is. It's that I don't. I I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think Come On, Come On is going to get nominated, and I don't think Joaquin is going to get nominated. So because of that, I I'm kind of pushing that out as just like a dream fantasy. Uh, but Joaquin will be my like art house. Best actor. Gotcha. Your criterion Garf- best actor. Yeah. Exactly. And Garfield will be my like guy who can actually win best actor. Um, yeah, I think that that's a good a good way to throw up the circuit split here. So this will be the easiest change to our, our the answer to the question: Did this will this change anything in your final review rankings? Andrew Garfield was in The Social Network, directed by David Fincher, and the first movie we did on this show. And uh, I have right now The Social Network as my number one, Silence as my number two, Hacksaw Ridge as my number three, 99 Homes as my number four, and Never Let Me Go as my number five. And apologies to Never Let Me Go, but I'm now bumping all four of these performances, all five of these performances down one to put 
uh, tick, tick, boom at my new number one for Andrew Garfield, which does change my score for the social network. So we have our first radical change in in uh, final review rankings. But that's how that's a good of a performance he has for me in, in this movie. Um, Oz, where would this would this change? And if so, where would this rank for you? So my original ranking was Red Riding in the year of our Lord, 1974 in first place uh, It is indeed a movie. I can vouch for it. Never Let Me Go in second, Silence third, Social Network fourth, and Hacksaw Ridge fifth. Uh, I'm for once going to purge Mel Gibson from something on one of my lists. I have way <laughs> too much Mel Gibson on my lists here. Uh, so Hacksaw Ridge is out. And boy, I'm going to I'm gonna put this at number one also. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm surprised I'm going there from something that I've only had a, you know, a couple days to, to percolate on here. But I... I I, I think I'm going there. I, I, he, he's frankly, he's such a, he's a good singer too. He's got, he's got the chops for this. He's just, he's really, really fucking good here. I, I'm, I'm also making this my number one for Garfield, which will also, um, you know, lightly impact my social network score. By a point for both a of point. us. By mm-hmm. a point. Um, Oscar potential. So we've mentioned Garfield. I think he'll get nominated. Um, realistically, I don't think I, none of the songs can be because they're not original, right? Because this is this is all adapted. I believe it's all adapted. I think there might be. I think there might be one song that's not actually from Tick Tick Boom, but I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a player in song. Because I know Lynn said that he wanted to use all of. All of Jonathan Larson's original music because he wanted to be able to put in the notes for the movie um, in the credits, like scored by Jonathan Larson, that he gets a, a producer, a, a production credit for this movie. So I just in my head thought that there was there was no way that any of the music can come out of here. Um, the only other thing I could is this the best picture nominee? I don't think so. But I maybe if the rest will depending on what the rest of the year looks like. So. We have 10 guaranteed nominees this year mm-hmm. and Netflix has generally been getting about three nominations each year. It's clear the movie that they're pushing to win is Power of the Dog. So I think we have to assume I've seen it. It's it's excellent. Um, Power of the Dog is in and I don't think it's going to win, but it's probably Netflix's best chance to win. And that leaves us with a, a sort of next tier of really three movies that I think are probably competing for like two spots and that's this don't look up and the lost daughter uh maybe passing on the outside but it just it didn't seem to make it it didn't seem to really make any footprint when it came out so it's going to be hard to to come out of that I we can't talk about don't look up yet though we Mm -hmm. we've both seen it um but I think suffice to say the the initial reactions are very strong on social media that others have posted. And it's obviously an extraordinarily star-filled cast with DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence's return from her little hiatus and Meryl Streep and Kate Blanchett. It's, you know, as big name as it gets. And and Adam McKay has killed it with Vice and the big short. They've both done very well with the Academy. So I I, I have to think Don't Look Up is in which leaves Tick, Tick, Boom and The Lost Daughter, which is also excellent, kind of fighting out those last two, you know, for one of the last spots. So I, I think there's a very realistic chance it gets in. And I, I think I might actually prefer The Lost Daughter a little bit as a film, but uh, the Sondheim thing is going to help. 
I hate to say it, but it, th- this movie is is intimately linked to sort of Sondheim. That, that Sondheim is a character in it, and it's a thing that a lot of folks are doing to sort of you know g- grapple with his legacy in the wake of his passing. Is, is celebrating this movie. So I just I really I, I think that um, I, if I had to bet right now, it's probably my like eighth or ninth seed to get in for best picture. So I I I would guess yes right now though uh west side story being good is a big complicating factor because it's hard to imagine multiple musicals getting in thank you for listening everybody if you dig the show head over to itunes drop a five-star rating and a review oz anything like to plug before we get out of here follow me at oz on movies read the invention of dreams.com um Five stars. Yay. Also listen to <laughs> our uh, also listen to Follow our, me on movies, adventures.com. Come I hate on, this, this is your baby. I don't even the self-promotion. You also, are cut from the same cloth as Jonathan Macri. Also, uh listen to our Encanto podcast, which has gone up at the same time as this, and look for our Don't Look Up podcast bonus review as soon as the embargo drops on December 7th. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for listening, everybody, and tune in next time for another final review. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com